0: Welcome to the Church Leaders Podcast, where we're helping you lead better every day.
1: And now, here's your host. Welcome to another exciting episode of the Church Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Day, and we have a great episode for you this week as I talk with Glenn Packium, Glenn is one of the associate senior pastors at New Life Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and the lead pastor of New Life Downtown. Glenn has written several books, including Discover the Mystery of Faith, Lucky, Secondhand Jesus, and Butterfly in Brazil. Glenn also is one of the founding leaders and songwriters for the Desperation Band and has had the honor of writing and co-writing several well-loved worship songs like Your Name and My Savior Lives. On this week's episode, Glenn and I share in a very timely discussion about the rhythm and beauty of the Christian church year, and we specifically focus in on the season of Advent. We share some creative ideas to celebrate Advent with your church, including some great resources to help you as you prepare for this meaningful season. And speaking of resources, I want to let you know about a special opportunity to get free Advent resources from our partner, Outreach. These free tools will help you connect with your community this Advent and Christmas season. They include a best practices guide to help you reach more people in your community and some exclusive social media graphics, several other things as well. Uh, They're also giving every church 500 engage your invitations for free. Now, these engage your invitations are great tools to mobilize your congregation and help them enter into spiritual conversations with their friends, their neighbors, their coworkers. And you can go to outreach.com slash podcast and get all of these free resources. So that's just a super bonus for you for this week's episode. So now um, I want to invite you to join me in my conversation with Pastor Glenn Pacium. Glenn, I just want to thank you for joining us here on the Church Leaders Podcast. Welcome.
0: Thanks, Jason. Great to be on with you.
1: Awesome, brother. Now, although most people probably think the end of the year is still a couple months away, we're actually coming to the close of the Christian year in just a few weeks. Uh, You and I have talked about the value of the rhythms of the Christian calendar. Can you start us off by sharing a bit about the seasons of the Christian church calendar and and the value of those seasons?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is all relatively new to me over the last, you know, maybe 10 years or so, eight or 10 years, and uh, I I grew up in a fairly non-denominational church, and, love Jesus, love the Bible, love one another, you know, all of the stuff. But I, I came to appreciate the Christian year, the church calendar, because it's a—it's an extension of discipleship. It's really, it's about Jesus. It's about marking time along the life of Christ. And so the Christian year begins with Advent, a season of preparation and anticipation um, for the birth of Christ. So sometimes people think Advent is just a, uh, an alternate name for christmas it's actually a separate season that leads up to christmas a season of preparation for christmas and and then from christmas you get to the season of epiphany which is uh kind of that moment when we we remember the magi coming and and you know the kings of the earth are bowing down to the king of kings and so it's the revealing of jesus and his kingship uh, in the world and then and then shortly after that is the season of lent which is Again, a season of, of of fasting and repentance, humility, preparation, really um, for the cross. Uh, I like to sometimes tell people it's a way to journey with Jesus to the cross, and then we get to Holy Week, Good Friday, uh, and, and then of course Easter Sunday, which which actually in the Christian year, Easter Sunday is just the first of seven Sundays uh, of Easter, where you it, there, it's a season of feasting and. I what I love about that is Easter is seven Sundays, you know, Lent is six, because the feast always outlasts the fast. It's good. Uh, yeah, and then that's followed by, uh, by Pentecost, you know, the birth of the church, and then you move into kind of a long stretch of ordinary time. Awesome.
1: Now, as we look at that church calendar, and I know you said that, uh, you know, there's great value. We see that because it's, a, you know, discipleship. It, it kind of helps us in that rhythm. Um, how have you seen that rhythm you know, really, really become important, maybe in your own personal life, and then also in your life as a pastor?
0: So when we started practicing this season, uh, the church calendar and the observing it, and it was around the same season that we were having our kids, and we realized it became an important family practice for us because it became a way of marking space on our calendar. So especially the two seasons that are about preparation um, maybe historically have been called the fast seasons, you know, Advent and Lent, became occasions for us to to create space on our calendar. So I think especially you know Advent, people are always complaining about how busy we are during the the holiday season and there's all this running around. And some of that you know is unavoidable. But but for example, I try to not travel or accept any ministry requests during Advent. Um, uh, during Lent, you know, where as a family we're always uh, praying about what we can give up so that we can give out. Um, and those become ways of engaging these seasons as discipleship.
1: That's awesome. Now, uh, as a pastor, how are you kind of seeing those seasons play into your your ministry?
0: Yeah, so in, in a very similar way, you know, we're talking to people about, um, all right, as we get into Lent, I mean, Lent is a great example of this pastorally where we're able to say, okay, uh, church let's be praying about what we can lay down during the season what are some of the ways we can declutter our lives and you find that people really welcome that so sometimes people will say you know I'm going to step aside from social media for 6 weeks during lent or um but but a lot of what we try to link it to you know based on Isaiah 58 we, we the fast is not just a, an expression of religious piety the fast is supposed to be a thing that leads you towards generosity and justice and so and so we say to people, OK, so is there a way that based on your giving up, you're able to give out? So maybe you're giving up your Starbucks. Well, you tally up, uh, you know, 20 bucks a week or whatever that that might be and give that out in, in some way. And so like this last season of Lent uh, at our congregation at New Life downtown, um, people gave to a fund for refugees, uh, there was an organization that we partnered with that was sending the gospel on these uh, recorders and and uh, to, to refugee camps with with kids and stuffed animals and all. it was an amazing opportunity and we raised thousands of dollars uh, just during the season of Lent because people embraced it as a season of sacrificial. Uh, not just sacrificial fasting, but sacrificial giving and generosity.
1: That's awesome, brother. Now, as we mentioned, we're coming up on the season of Advent. So let's kind of focus in on Advent. As, as pastors, when we think of the Christmas story, um, it's sometimes challenging to process through. How can we share that story year after year in yeah. a way that is really fresh, right? So yeah. how does the season of Advent— help us as pastors retell this story in fresh ways.
0: One of the things that the season of Advent invites us to reflect on is not just Christ's first arrival. You know, Advent by the way, you know, it comes from the Latin word adventus which means arrival. And and so it invites us to reflect not just on Christ's first coming but on his future coming, you know, as the creed says, he will come again in glory. And so so Advent, in a way, reminds us that we are a people who live between two arrivals. And I think pastorally that's really powerful to say, okay, look at what began with the birth of Christ and look at what's coming with the, the return of Christ, if you will. And so uh and so that all of a sudden makes the the even the christmas story come alive with new meaning you know we might look at the story and say okay who are we in the story are we uh, maybe more like herod than we'd like to admit because if there was one person who should have been at the center of it all it would have been the king of the jews at the time herod and yet he was threatened by it and becomes kind of the villain in the story and so that's a way to say who are we in what way are we resistant To King Jesus because we don't want to lose our own thrones and our own uh, control of our lives and so there's a pastoral power that comes from thinking about this not just as cute little baby Jesus but the arrival of the King which there's echoes of in the first Christmas story but there's certainly a a picture of when you think about the returning King Jesus coming in glory
1: yeah that's awesome What what are some creative ways to make Advent, the the Advent season sort of come alive for our people that that maybe you have used or, Mm -hmm. you know, other pastors or churches um, that you know have used? What what are some creative ideas that pastors can kind of, especially if if they haven't ever, you know, ventured into the season of Advent?
0: You know, what, what are some ideas? Well, one of the things just in the service itself that's pretty simple is to have an Advent wreath there. There's four candles that are typically associated with the four Sundays in Advent. Uh, uh, there's different themes that have been associated with those four Sundays over the centuries, but uh, we've pretty much arrived now at, at the place of, of where the four words are hope, uh, and then peace, and then joy, and then love. And and so there, you know, the colors of the candles are purple, purple, and then pink, purple, and that's a simple visual way. So for us, you know, we're we're going to open every service by singing, "O come, O come, Emmanuel." and if the the room is going to be dim and and as it's dim and as we're singing this song of longing you know minor key the awaiting it it puts you in touch with the waiting and the groaning in your heart you know and then as we're singing it someone's going to come up to the front and light the first candle you know and then week two it'll be lighting the second candle and we sing that song again and so there's a There's a way just with sight and sound, with a song and with these colors and candles that just just gently cue us into that. Uh, And then and then we encourage people to take some practices back into their homes. So there's there's some amazing family devotionals and Voskamp uh, has written one of the ones that we just love in our home. It's called The Greatest Gift. And there's stories that actually go every day during Advent. and crafts that you can download from her website uh, that go along with this. So we have young kids, so we'll be reading the story while they're coloring the crafts. And the crafts are like these tree ornaments, you know, so you can hang it on your actual Christmas tree or something else if you wanted to. And and then people come in the next Sunday and they're ready again for the next theme and the next word. So there's a sense of a building journey of longing and anticipation.
1: That's good yeah as, as a pastor one of the things that during the Advent season I always did is we always prepared a um, like a, a family uh, worship devotional for Advent mm-hmm. you know what I mean so we um, either I would you know put together some scripture passages and, and do some little reflections or we'd have people from our team from our uh, pastoral staff um, or other just ministry leaders within the church and I'd kind of divvy up the Different days and in the different passages, and allow them to write some reflections. Then we just print those off and make those available because I think what you said is um, so important that we help equip our people to not just let the season of anticipation and preparation and expectation be just a Sunday thing, yes. and then they're back into the you know no. crazy yes. busyness of Christmas, but to help them have that rhythm throughout the week with their families. And so, we found that to be very very important in a way that we can equip, you know, put some, it's one of those seasons, I think, Glenn, that um, we as pastors can really help equip our people in some, you know, spiritual disciplines and daily yes. disciplines, yes. you know, with their families, right?
0: That's exactly right, and and it's funny that you mentioned that, Jason, because this this advent for the first time we're actually also writing a, a devotional from some of the folks in our congregation. Some of the lay leaders and group small group leaders are are you know chipping in, taking a day, because you're exactly right. The whole idea is not just to you know to mark this around Sundays, but it becomes a season of preparation. So it's a great thing. You know, sometimes people are are thinking, uh, you know, I've, I have never journaled before, or I've never uh, you know prayed. Um, consistent prayers or maybe written prayers before, and Advent becomes a great way to say, but I'm going to try that this season. It's a very manageable way into some of these spiritual disciplines and practices that otherwise might be intimidating to people. But they say, four weeks? Yeah, let me try that. Let me do that. And then they find it to be an enriching experience, and they stick with it maybe throughout the year. Right,
1: right. Awesome, brother. Now, one of the things that, that I've found as a pastor that we really come up against during the advent season is just kind of the overcommercialization of christmas and just yeah. you know yeah. just all the things that are bombarding us you know and, and yeah. pulling people in so many different directions and so we found you know that's a great value in in pausing and slowing down and and really making that advent season a time of shaping for our people right and and, and help them look at you know jesus is very countercultural and yeah. so the whole season of Advent is definitely countercultural in regard to what happens, you know, at least here in America, around the season of Christmas. Wouldn't you agree?
0: That's exactly right, Jason. And that's why in some ways Advent is maybe the easiest season of the whole Christian year um, for to get your church involved in it, because— everybody recognizes, man, we've got a problem, we've got a challenge here, society has commercialized this, made it all about shopping and all of this stuff. And look, I I love gifts as much as the next person, we like to have fun, the holiday season, all that, it's great. But the question that so many Christians are, are wrestling with during the season is, how do I make sure that Jesus remains at the center of my focus this season? How do I make sure my family and my, you know, and, and, and Advent is a is a beautiful answer to that. It's so again, it's a discipleship mechanism of saying, look, this is about marking time around the life of Christ. So life is made up of seconds and minutes and hours. It's time, and and. Uh, Advent is an introduction into saying, keep time in such a way that you're keeping your mind on Jesus. And so every passing day is another countdown to saying his arrival is coming, his arrival is coming. And it's a beautiful way to, to like you said, both simplify and also uh, keep Jesus at the center of our hearts.
1: Yeah, that, yeah, that's that's so true, because so many things around Christmas— Season, you know, coming into Christmas, tried, seemed to almost crowd Jesus out. And so, yeah. any way that we can keep Jesus central, I think, yep. um, you know, is, is vital and important. I loved what you said, uh, and you mentioned us back during season of Lent, one of the things that, that you guys did at New Life Downtown, you know, the giving up and giving out. And um, we've done that during the Advent season as well, and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, really encouraged our people. And uh, it's been fun over the years. You know, we have six kids. And so uh, we've done this with our own children. But uh, oh, really encourage everyone to, you know, give up one gift. And I, I can yeah. remember, you know, sitting, gathering my kids together. And we never force them. We always ask them, <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, are yeah. you willing to give up one gift? And then we're going to take, you know, the money that would go towards that one gift. And then we are going to give that. And, um, and so we would lead our, our church in some different projects. And so for several years, we were digging clean water wells in Haiti. And Mm. so, so our entire church, and we challenged everyone, you know, to give up, you know, one gift, you know, you don't need another sweater, you don't need another blender or whatever it is, right? You know what I mean? And so, and it was, it was so much fun because uh, not only the the kids were involved in it, but, you know, families, adults. And so we had so many stories where, Um, And it it was a cool opportunity for people to kind of share their faith in a non-threatening way, because we'd have like Mm. adults who would send emails to their aunts and uncles, you know, I mean, and their parents Mm. and brothers and sisters who who may not be connected to God at all and say, hey, listen, you know, this year uh, we've already been blessed beyond measure. And so instead of buying me something, you know, we would love for you to contribute to this cool project our church is doing. And I so it would that. it would like open up these conversations. One of my favorite stories from from one year when we did this was there was a um, a businessman in our church, and he was a consultant. He did business consulting, and uh, he was mm. consulting with um, a, a Jewish gentleman, you know, a, another business owner, and he was working with him on this mm. this project for his business. And and just in their conversations, um, uh, my friend Mark, he had mentioned to him, "Hey, you know, listen, I've been praying about it, and." You know, what you are paying me to do this um, uh, consultation gig with you, I'm going to be, I just want to let you know that I'm going to be contributing that to um, this project at, at our church. Because, and he explained to him the whole, you know, Advent, and wow. what they were doing, you know, wow. what we were doing. He explained this whole thing to him. He said it was amazing because that the, the Jewish gentleman was so moved by it that he wrote a check mm. even bigger than what his consultation fee was going to be. And said, I want you to I want you to give this to that. So it it just opens those doors for spiritual conversations. I think it's that's a a way that we combat the over commercialization of Christmas, kind of pull things back a little bit and say, you know what? We are blessed people. Right. And, you know, we don't need more, more, more. But this is an opportunity and a teachable moment for our families and our children, for our friends, you know, that that might not know anything about Jesus or what they think of the church, you know, may not be the most positive, you know, yeah, feelings. Yeah. But it gives us an opportunity to really engage in some spiritual conversations, really set, like you said, you know, our hearts on Christ and remember truly what this is all about and get our, get our priorities
0: back aligned. You know, it's... Well, it, I mean, the people of God have always used... Time as a way to be countercultural. To, to, you know, Brueggemann calls the Sabbath resistance. Right? It's mm-hmm. a way of, you know, to say, while everyone else is enslaved, we're going to rest because we trust in the Lord. And, and in a similar way, I think that the Christian calendar doesn't emerge out of legalism or trying to please God. It emerges out of this deep tradition of God's people. Marking time differently, and that is our countercultural resistance. That is our way of saying we march to the to the beat of a different drum. Uh, we mark time differently. We have a different king, and and his way is this kind of radical generosity. So the things you're describing is so beautiful because it, it ought to make you know our, our friends and neighbors kind of scratch their heads and think, wait a minute, what? Why are you doing this? And say, well, because this season is about a, a God who gave His own life for us, gave His own Son for us, you know.
1: Right, right. That's awesome. What are some resources that you've come across over the—I uh, know you mentioned you know, some, some family worship devotionals, those sorts of things. But what are some other resources that, that you may have come across um, over, over the last decade or so that would be helpful for pastors as they're kind yeah. of preparing their people for Advent?
0: You know, the, I, I think for, for pastors and church leaders, Robert Weber wrote a book years ago called Ancient Future Time. And uh, and Weber just does such a great job of telling some of the history of these things uh, and also the theology of 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 this. You know, so, you know, I've talked about it being a, a way to keep time differently. I've talked about it as a way to keep the center on, you know, as Jesus. But there's also a third uh, component here, and that is it's a way to sort of keep in step with the wider body of Christ. Um, and, and I think uh, I think about. You know our prayers for unity within the church, and I think about our 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 desire to say, "Lord, how can we remember that we're part of a bigger story or bigger people and Weber's book, Ancient Future Time, has a way of reminding us like look when we when we observe this, we're stepping in a story with millions of Christians around the world, number one, but then also kind of the church historic, and that's a cool piece uh, of that as well, from a unity perspective. Um, I know there's some other uh, resources out there just on the church calendar in, in general, uh, Joan Chittister's book. But I, I really think um, for families, um, you, you know, on the on the congregant end of things and Boss Kemp's, uh The Greatest Gift is a wonderful, wonderful resource uh, for families to be able to walk through.
1: Awesome. Yeah. And Glenn, I, I think it's a great point that you made about. Being in step with the greater church, right? And I'm glad you touched mm. on that because that's that's one of those things that I think is so so helpful and important because even in our churches we can get kind of caught up in in what's happening in you know just our little our little yeah. bubble, right? So yeah. I think I think it's great for for us as pastors to be able to stand before our people and say, hey, listen, you know, we are joining uh, brothers and sisters in Christ. That are all around the world, all different tribes, all different languages yes. that are walking through the same time. We're joining with people historically, you know, yes. for centuries behind us. That have joined in this same time and have marked life you know with the same rhythm, and I think yes. there's some power in that, like you said you know the it, it helps us combat you know one of the other great things that we get to deal with specifically here in america that individualism right that's just yes. natural individualism yes. so it helps us to remember we're part of a bigger story right
0: yeah yes, it's so beautiful and and, and you know, to remind people every time we gather to worship, and then specifically in these seasons when we journey toward the season of Christmas during Advent, when we journey toward the cross with Jesus during Lent, and we, maybe we're fasting. You realize, man, I'm, this is a story that's been going on for hundreds of years, and is happening all around the world. And and where I maybe in America I have the luxury of giving up a coffee, someone else has been going without food. Not by their choice, just because of of poverty challenges and struggles in their own. and, And it just opens our eyes to say, "Wow, this is these are our brothers and sisters. This is the family of God that we're part of." And it's a great way to raise our, lift up our heads a little bit from our own context and become aware of the greater body of Christ.
1: Yeah, that's beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, so we've touched on a, a handful of things specifically for Advent, you know, kind of equipping pastors and giving them some ideas. So we talked about, you know, through song, through the lighting of the Advent candles, you know, in, in corporate worship, you know, as a way that we can kind of keep this, this idea of, of Advent and preparation ahead of us. I want to touch on something that—now, this is a conversation that, that I've had over the years, and, and people fall in different places, and, and because of your um, heart for worship and, and all that you do with music— Here's here's a big question that's been posed to me. When do we start singing Christmas hymns, right? <laughs> because during Advent, a lot of people are like, "No, no Christmas hymns yet," I know. right? Because it's, I know. it's it's all you know. There are certain hymns that are hymns of preparation and anticipation, like "O Come, O Come, that's Emmanuel." Right. That's a great one, right? Yes. But yes. like the the big question is, when do we get to you know sing a Christmas hymn? So so and what's it, your take on that? <laughs>
0: It's funny, Jason. I'm I'm not a traditionalist when it comes to this because I love Christmas songs so much and already it's such a short time of the year that we get to to listen to them, you know. So I you know, I, I to be honest, I've been all over the map with this. Some some years it's like uh, you know, right around Thanksgiving. So even before Advent technically has begun, I'm like, oh let's just let's put on a record. We have this great rec- we have this great record player in our living room and I have collected over the last couple of years, you know, some great Christmas vinyls. And uh, and so, you know, like, oh, let's put it on. Um, but but there are other times where, you know, as part of our journey, we've said, okay, that third Sunday of Advent, you know, things typically start to turn because there's hope, uh, you know, the first week and then peace. But then when you get to that third week of joy, joy that's right. usually, and I as a church, I would say this, okay, so never mind our, our family practice in my uh, non-traditional ways, but in our congregation downtown, I tell our worship team, all right. So, you know, uh, O come, O come, Emmanuel, come thou long-expected Jesus, hymns of, of longing and preparation in the first two Sundays of Advent, for sure. But then the last two Sundays, that third Sunday, that joy Sunday, I, I want I encourage them to start making it turn. And so, we, we you know, we'll sing maybe Angels We Have Heard on High or Hark the Herald, or you know, and, and we're starting to, to taste the joy, if you will. And so that's that's how we do it from a congregation standpoint. But we, and we we incrementally work in more songs in there. So then by Christmas Eve, we we do a big service with all the congregations at New Life Church together. It's all carols and and stuff on Christmas Eve, and it's it's beautiful.
1: Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I I wanted to ask. you, I was curious to, as to your opinion because. Like I said, over the years, we've, we've wrestled through that, too, with our worship teams and, and trying to figure out how, t- how to balance that, how, how not to rush too fast into it. But, but we still, like you said, we love, you know, there's so many great <laughs> Christmas songs, right, yeah, that we get yeah. to sing. So, you know, we, and, and, and so we want to get those in there. So awesome. Thank you for, for that. So we've talked about, you know, the, the Advent wreath, candle lightings. We've talked about uh, different worship songs and, and music talked about some, you know, family worship, some personal home worship and how to equip people with that. What else in the congregational setting, the corporate setting? Um, I know that uh some churches, and we've done this in the past, have done specific readings, you know, around yeah. each week, um, around the themes of the week, or or how about um working some other liturgy yeah. into that? You well, know, what where's some thoughts there?
0: We we love there there's several uh resources of prayers that mm. are that have been prepared for this of really, the seasons of the church year, and we, and for our congregational setting, we pull out these prayers specifically during Advent and Lent, and and some years we've done it during the season of Easter as well. And there's a couple of places we pull from. The Revised Common Lectionary uh, is one. The, the Book of Common Prayer is another. Some beautiful prayers. I mean, sh- you know, three four lines, short kind of prayers, but just some some poetry. Uh, to these words that that help your focus uh, in worship, and so we've where we've typically done them in the service is after the the, the time of singing, you know. So say we've had some, uh, sung worship, musical worship, for twenty minutes or so, and then you know someone will come up and 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 say, okay, let's let's pray this prayer together as a church, and then we pray it, and then we you know we move on in the service, and it becomes just a beautiful a beautiful thing. And and I you know let me just piggyback on that to say this, Jason, like. I I'm very passionate about helping people embrace this as uh an expression of their devotion and as a a mechanism for discipleship as opposed to uh, a fussy religious have to tradition, you know. Right. Uh, I, I think of the message paraphrase of of, of Matthew uh, eleven. I think what Jesus is saying, you know, all who are weary come to me, and take my yoke upon you. And the message paraphrase says, you know, I'll teach you the unforced rhythms of grace. You know, mm. so this is, this is, this is about uh, entering into this unforced rhythm of worship and adoration. So some of those prayers have been such a beautiful way for us to remind people. Hey, this isn't fussy do's and don'ts. This is devotion. This is an expression of your your love for Jesus.
1: Yeah, that's good. I think that's a, that's an important point to make as well. You know, because we don't want to make it so almost ritualistic, you know, or yes. you know, so tight yes. that it's yes. it's not this idea of, like you said, this devotion and adoration of of Jesus, and and let that time be a time filled with grace and yes. uh, encouragement, really, instead of yes. something we're heaping on to to people. No, I think that's yes. a, that's a great point to make. Uh, I'm thinking of our, our pastors who might be listening, and if they've never um, really gotten into, you know, this, the seasons of the church year, what's— I know we've talked a lot about the value of that, but but what would you say to someone who's never, you know, dipped their toes into that?
0: You know, I, first of all, it's possible to be a wonderful disciple and follower of Jesus and not do that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I think about Romans 14, you know, Paul's addressing some things that would be points of tension in his congregation that has both Jews, Jewish believers and Gentile believers. And he says, you know, there's some people this day is holy and to others it's not. And, you know, whatever you you do, do it from faith in the Lord and, and unto the Lord. And, and so, so I would say to people, look, if you're, if you're hungry for a practice that intentionally teaches you to mark time differently and to uh, weekly, daily center your heart on Jesus in a very practical, embodied way, uh, the church calendar is a wonderful, wonderful way to do that. It It's shaped my Bible reading. I, I, I tend to adjust. Like, so, you know, during Advent, I might, I'll change up what I'm reading in the scriptures or very often during the Lent. I'll specifically work through a gospel in my own personal uh, reading time, and so uh, it just—it just has become a beautiful way. Again, it's a—it's a means of discipleship and an expression of devotion. And uh, it's, they're not—it's not the only one, of course. There's many, uh, you know, but but this can be a a rich and historic one that has has to do specifically with time. And I would say to church leaders. Uh, many of us, uh, time is the one thing we don't have enough of. <laughs> and, and and so this, this in a way, is not imposing another item on your calendar. It's just teaching you to look at calendar itself differently, you know. Um, it, just look at time differently in a way that actually brings you closer to Jesus.
1: That's good, brother. Some good words there. But Glenn, I certainly appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to uh, to speak with our, our listeners and talk about this uh uh, the, the Christian church calendar and the season of Advent as we're getting ready to, to step into that. Um, thank you once again for being with us and uh, for your heart for the church, the local church, and uh, the Church Universal, brother.
0: Thank you, Jason. A pleasure.
1: I appreciate you taking the time to be with us on this week's episode. Every week as we are putting the episodes together, we're thinking of you, our pastors and ministry leaders, and striving to provide insightful and inspiring interviews as you seek to grow as a kingdom leader. So we hope you're finding value from the Church Leaders podcast, and if so, we'd certainly appreciate you taking a few moments to head over to iTunes and leave us a review. Your positive reviews and ratings help other church leaders more easily find our podcasts so they too can benefit from these interviews. Again, we thank you in advance, and if you have any comments, any questions, suggestions, or ideas for guests, I would love to hear from you. You can send me an email to podcast at churchleaders.com, or you can connect with me on Twitter. Finally, you can find this podcast as well as other great faith-based podcasts on the Faith Play app. It's available for both Apple and Android, and so we encourage you to check that out as well. So until next time, this is Jason Day encouraging you to love well and lead well.
0: You've been listening to the Church Leaders Podcast. For articles,
1: videos, and free resources that will help you lead better every day, visit our
0: website, churchleaders.com. Thanks for listening.